Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of the Kingston Unitarian Fellowship, located in Southeast Ontario. Unitarian Universalism is a progressive free faith grounded in the promises of community and inspired by how we hold our shared faith's principles and sources. For more information about Canadian Unitarianism, please go to our website, kuf.ca, and our national website, cuc.ca. to all who have come to share your Sunday morning with us. Special welcome to anyone who's here for the first time and to those returning after an absence. My name's Maureen and it's my privilege and honor to be your service weaver this morning assisting our minister Reverend Beckett. Welcome to this community of seekers, of questioners, and of those open to the revelation that comes from experiences with one another and with the spirit of life. May we remember that while we have some answers, we don't have all the answers. While we know some things, we don't know everything. And while we have lived, others have experiences very different from our own. So welcome to this community full of questions and possibilities. If you've been searching for a place where you hope you will feel a sense of belonging, we hope that you will find that feeling here. Now, you may be wondering, what is this about? A theological aspiration. Well, I must admit, you're not alone. I was curious about this concept and asked Reverend Beckett, who told me that the Canadian Unitarian Council put forward five aspirations at the 2016 annual meeting. Well, I was there, and somehow I missed these. Anyway, anyway, so I'm learning something new and you're learning something new. So this is the first of the five aspirations. So we can read this aloud together or you may just want to ponder the meeting silently. As Canadian Unitarian Universalists, we aspire to be. As Canadian Unitarian Universalists, we aspire to be. Deeply connected. Deeply connected. We foster, we strive to foster healthy relationships. We strive to foster healthy relationships. Amongst and within UU communities. Amongst and within UU communities. With the broader world and with all life. With the broader world and with all life. Good morning. 
I see some new faces and some familiar faces. For those of you who I haven't met before, I'm Reverend Beckett Coppola. It's wonderful to meet you, to see you, and to welcome you. So this morning I have some opening words for us from a distinguished, distinguished, retired UU minister. Some of you will more than likely know his name, Jack Mendelssohn. He wrote, uh, he wrote books, he wrote lots of things. This is an excerpt from something that he wrote. We have inherited quite a religion. It's honest, of one piece. It does not indulge in self-deceit, it is lived. It is not just a set of bromides and pietisms. It is a serious effort to conduct life according to principles and ideals. It is emotional, heart-swelling. It is even naive in spite of uncertainty. It does not rule out leaps of faith. It is free, not bound by tradition, inheritance, geography, or the passing parade. It is firsthand a personal experience. It is responsible. It does not try to escape the consequence of decision. It is growing. It never thinks of itself as perfected and final. It embraces humility, recognizing that faith is not certainty where there is in fact mystery. It is compassionate. It understands that religions universally wrap their essence in myth. It reaches to grasp and appreciate the truths bound in the myths of other believers. It is tough on its possessors, committing them to sacrifice, but it is tender toward those who disagree. It is social, struggling to realize its own vision at community, national, and world levels, it is radiant, blessing its possessor with courage, serenity, and zest. This is our history and also our hope. I have a, a reading followed by our message today. And considering that two weeks ago I talked about loving the hell out of this world and how that's part of what we're meant to do, I thought it was particularly appropriate that this was the cup I grabbed <laughs> this morning. It says, coffee from hell. <laughs> Welcome to Unitarian Universalism, folks. Um, so... <laughs> These words, this reading comes from UU Minister Reverend Jane Rzepka, who wrote one of the books that pretty much every UU seminarian reads, which is about preaching. She's one of the great preaching teachers. It's, in school, it's called homiletics. I don't know why they have a different word for everything in academia. No offense to anybody in academia. 
So she wrote, this is excerpted from her sermon. Some of you have read this. This sermon is titled, Hold On to Your Hats, All of Unitarian Universalist History in 16 Minutes. (laughs) It might have been slightly longer than 16 minutes, but she did a really amazing job with it. So here we go. Our own history shows generations and generations of people who seem first to lose their religion and then by means of private struggle and personal risk find new ways of being religious. Our founders were doubters, thinkers, people for whom integrity counted for something. Through processes of theological reinterpretation and revolution, they found ways to continue their religious lives. Generation after generation of good, earnest souls still examine the faith, reshape it, and persist in it. Frederick May Elliott, the president of the American Unitarian Association, that's pre-1961, from 1937 to 1958, once said, one of our most interesting aspects of our history is the process by which the radicals, the radicals of one generation have come to be regarded as 100% Unitarian by succeeding generations. The truth of the matter is that we are a church in which growth is not only permitted but encouraged. Growth in thought, growth in sensitiveness to moral values, growth in courage to put religion to work in the world. That final quote from Eliot was an older way of languaging that, right? You can hear the early 1900s in his words and the late 1900s in Jane Rezepka's words. But they were saying something very similar. So as I reflected on this idea of finding faithful curiosity, I had a lot of thoughts and I had some trouble reducing them so that you wouldn't be here for the next three hours. There's an inspiring reflection that comes to us from the mind of a poet. It's about curiosity, but it's specifically about how to be curious, and it doesn't even use the word curious. It comes from the Bohemian Austrian poet and novelist Rainer Maria Rilke in his letters to a young poet. This piece was written in 1903. He wrote, I want to beg you as much as I can to be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and to try to love the questions themselves. Like locked rooms and like books that are written in a foreign language. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. The point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. Perhaps you do carry within yourself the possibility of shaping and forming as a particularly happy and pure way of living. Train yourself to it. But take whatever comes with great trust 
and if only it comes out of your own will, out of some need of your inmost being, take it upon yourself and hate nothing. That translation to the English from the original comes from M.D. Herder Norton. There are many others that leave the listener with this same call to action. I looked at three translations for today. Don't try to live for an answer. Live the question. And more pointedly, live your questions. What a wonderful explication of faithful curiosity. Thinking about this from the point of view of a community, this call to curiosity for us as Unitarian Universalists is not something for which there will ever be one answer. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with a room of Unitarian Universalists and get one answer? (laughs) Ironic laughter, this is good. Even though we are a gathered body of people brought together and connected through our congregational life and through the horizontal covenant of a community, we have many answers. How we are being called to live our questions, our big whys, why, within this community and out in the world is a part of the deep and complicated beauty of a free faith. A faith in which revelation is ongoing, never sealed, with every season, every year, and indeed every generation, to go back to Rezepka and Eliot. But knowing all of this doesn't make it any easier. We don't... We don't get easy, but we expect it, don't we? I mean, do we fall in love thinking it's going to be easy? Maybe for a split second, but that ends. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love being in love, but it's not easy. We don't embark on an academic program or a career thinking it's going to be easy. But that's no reason not to do it. All of it. Anytime we walk into any of these things thinking it's going to be easy, we get disabused of that naivete pretty quickly. And yet, with every season of our lives, we can look around and see, even though it wasn't easy, we have indeed lived into some answers, frequently to questions we didn't even know we had. For those who have found their way into this home, this community, we have companions for our journeys. Here we have friends who will care for us, who will be there for us, and with whom we share a space. And together we aspire to live with faithful curiosity. Rezepka pointed out in the reading today this struggle because we do have to let go of needing answers sometimes. In essence, to lose a perception of religion 
in order to find a new way. And each generation offers that to us and reveals it for us. But what of the thoughts that we don't speak? The questions we don't ask? The curiosity that has been stolen from us? Did you ever have curiosity stolen from you? It makes it hard to go back, doesn't it? It makes it hard to reclaim that. Michel Foucault in The Masked Philosopher which is a collection of interviews of Foucault, implores us to let go of fear and dive into the questions together. But he recognizes another piece of this. One small uh, excerpt from the interview transcripts follows, quote, Curiosity is a vice that has been stigmatized in turn by Christianity, by philosophy, and even by a certain conception of science. Wow, curiosity is a vice that has been stigmatized. He goes on to say, curiosity is seen as futility, but the word, however, it pleases me. To me, curiosity suggests something altogether different. It evokes concern. It evokes the care one takes for what exists and could exist. A readiness to find strange and singular what surrounds us a certain relentlessness to break up our familiarities and to regard otherwise the same things, a fervor to grasp what is happening and what passes, a casualness in regard to the traditional hierarchies of the important and the essential. I dream of a new age of curiosity. Interesting to think, that was the end of the quote, by the way. Interesting to think that curiosity is something that can carry a social stigma and that it's just one of the many reasons it can be hard to engage with curiosity intentionally without being told what? What have you been told? When I've been curious, I've been told I'm being irresponsible. I've been told I'm being careless. I've been told that I'm not taking things seriously enough. I've had a few adventures. What about you guys? What have you been told when you've tried to live your curiosity? Was that stolen from you? Is it time to take it back? think it is. When reflecting on this, I began to moment about all the moments, I wondered about all the moments of intentionally being curious around faithfulness, around faith, seeking expressions of faith in my life. This isn't the kind of curiosity that caused me to change my, be- my major four or five times when I was an undergraduate before settling on philosophy. You can imagine what I heard about all of those. <laughs> including my, mother, my father saying, what are you going to do with a degree in philosophy? And my mother just looking at him. <laughs> she has a degree in philosophy. <laughs> and 
it isn't the curiosity that led me to study archaeology and classics in Greece and Turkey one summer as a study abroad student. Nope. That was, all, that was curiosity, but that's not the faithful curiosity, is it? It wasn't the curiosity that draws me into museums or causes me to weep when I experience a live performance of a particularly beautiful piece of music. I'm the person in the corner with tissues just crying. Music moves my soul. That's not, that's not the right curiosity, is it? In me, faith, that finding, that faithful curiosity, curiosity that allowed me to aspire toward being playful and joyous and welcoming, Curiosity that allowed me to dance in the unknown and the mystery, to be in awe. That came later for me. I was always looking for it, but I didn't find it until I was in my 40s. I am a Unitarian Universalist through and through, and I had no idea until I was 42 and I walked into my first congregation. I had been inspired by so many wisdom traditions and profoundly changed by so many voices. But it was the curiosity that opened my heart and allowed me to truly commit so that I could go somewhere else so that I could actually live as a person who is both spiritual and religious. So I was thinking about this, the topic of interreligious dialogue. This is actually an academic topic. I, had a, I took a class in it in seminary. And that was a place that required faithful curiosity. And I believe within Unitarian Universalism, we are perpetually in a state of interreligious dialogue because we are always understanding that while we are bound to one another by covenant horizontally, we don't know what another person's faith is their belief, their faith formation, their belief in the universe, their vertical covenant. We cannot know that without having conversations with each other. Going fully into conversation with a partner whose faith is radically different from yours requires a mindset of open inquiry and acceptance. It requires a fearlessness I had accidentally experienced this many times, but the first time I intentionally experienced it was for my interreligious dialogue class. I had an assignment to find somebody radically different from me. And I met a woman who was an elder in the local Muslim community, and she and I got together and had a series of conversations. She had been a dedicated Christian for most of her life, including a number of decades of marriage to a loving Muslim man. 
how she spoke about his faith, his dedication to prayer, the impact of how he lived faithfully was moving. He never did anything but accept her as she was, but his presence in her life transformed her experience of her own faith. That series of conversations caused me to open my own understanding much more broadly, not only about myself as I was trying to figure out what it meant to be a member of a congregation for the first time in my life, but also how my, my conversation with her impacted me. It allowed me to see not only the preciousness and beauty of her spiritual journey, but that of the one that impacted her most deeply, her husband, her life partners. It takes courage and fearlessness and perseverance and energy to be curious. And I just want to say there are days when you don't have those things. There are days when we are impatient and we cannot be curious because we don't have the energy. There are days when we don't want to try to be fearless because darn it, we're afraid. My wish for all of us is that we allow those days to be days of rest. Days when we ask others to be with us, to witness us, to accompany us, and to accept that we need a day of rest and we will come back to our curiosity when we can. The thing for us to not let go of is our desire to engage with inquiry as the inheritors of a very interesting religion. We are as much the descendants of what came before as we are the ascendants of those who have yet to come. Ascendants? Ascendants? I'm going to have to look that up. They will find their way through our door. They will be born to us. They will come to us and we will have new ideas come into the congregation, new and different ways of thinking and doing things and that is as it should be because that is who we are. So may our curiosity lead us to deepened understandings of what it is to live our questions generation after generation as a people of free faith. May our faith never stop evolving while persisting in the vision of our seven principles meant to guide our choices and our six sources that are meant to nourish our spirits and our five aspirations that are meant to keep us growing. And may finding faithful curiosity always create a space that welcomes joy and celebration and opportunities to reach out and find the companion right by your side. Harayom Shanti, Shalom, Peace. Blessed be.
Thank you for joining us for this Sunday service podcast from the Kingston Unitarian Fellowship. Please feel free to check back each month for additional episodes, and if you're able to contribute financially to this community-supported enterprise, we would deeply appreciate your generosity in any amount.